This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 548, recorded on October 6th, 2022. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. The fall could not be any sweeter this year. It seems like everybody complains about fall weather from time to time, like, oh, it's too short, whatever. I don't know, Jay, this year, I don't know what's going on in Kentucky, but it seems like fall is here, and I think we're going to get a couple more weeks of it before winter comes. How, how are things in Kentucky? It is here and it is beautiful. I mean, this is the weather I wait for all year long. Yeah. And Kentucky is particularly beautiful around fall time. Like it just, right, the hills, rolling hills, and they just, I mean, a lot of people talk about Branson, but the the Louisville, Moorhead, you're up near Cincinnati, man, such such a beautiful part of the country. You just got to get out and see it. Do Do you ever drive around just to see the foliage? So to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm from Boston. So, I mean, my wife and I were talking about how the colors are changing here. The colors are, are much different. So up up north, it was very bright. But down here, they're changing colors. But we did. We took a ride the other day in between here and Louisville and just the hills, like you say, and everything is just trees everywhere. So yeah, yeah. Spent a lot of time in California recently, and I came came back. There's no trees and nothing's green. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dry out there. Everything's I, green and yeah, you know, rows and rows of trees. It's awesome. Well, uh, we're with Jay Franzi tonight, and uh, Jay, tell us uh, just for those folks who maybe haven't heard or maybe missed the last time you were on, give us a little uh, rundown on your podcast. What is it, and where can we find it? Sure, no, I'd be happy to. It's Franzi and Friends. My last name, Franzi and Friends. Um, you can find us at franzyandfriends.com. It is a interview style leadership podcast. We talk to leaders from around the, the world and also um, sprinkle in a little bit of entertainment. Yeah, it's a good one. I was on it a couple weeks ago, four or five weeks. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. It was super fun. Had a great time and uh, enjoyed doing it. So thanks for having me on and, and, well, and appreciate you coming out to hang out with us tonight. Uh, big thanks to Ryan and Bob from thinkcomputers.org who joined me last week. We started the PC build, the VR PC build conversation and walked away from that, built some parts. By the way, it, um, in the show notes, 547, I have a PC picker part list that I've started. And I'd love to engage in the conversation with the Discord. If you go to the averageguy.tv slash Discord. Um, love to start the conversation there. I think over the next couple of months, especially during Black Friday and all the, ho- the all the sales, and I've got a thing I bought a couple of days ago, which teaches me again, I buy too early, but we'll talk about that here in a second. We'll be uh, doing the components, AMD versus Intel, what kind of board, how much memory, what are we going to put in? Jay, are you a PC build guy? Do you like to put your own stuff together or do you kind of just buy what's on the shelf? You know, I, I am definitely a custom person. I've started in the world of PC, but right now I'm I'm a Mac guy, pretty okay. strong. Yeah, I have both. I use both. Um, I have a Dell laptop. I have the MacBook Pro. Um, I'm currently on a Mac Mini 
for the production stuff here. Mm-hmm. My work computer is a PC, so I, I do use both. I have an iPhone. Our work uses the Android phone, so I do bounce between both worlds. Um, I do prefer Mac, but I do miss the days of building my own PCs and mm. and having just completely custom stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm back at it. It's kind of exciting. Now is a good time, although my dryer, you know, my clothes dryer just bit bit the dust. I tried fixing it. There goes like I fixed that it. thing for 20 years. And so, you know, it's 900 bucks to, oh, for, a new, for a new dryer, $900. We so, did the same thing. Just really? recently, dryer yeah. bit it and yeah. we bought a new washer and dryer. Oh, together? Yes. Yeah, that's a, can't, that's my a wife three bill. One that doesn't match. <laughs> Did you get the shelves, the $250 like shelves that go on the bottom of these things? So that, oh, so up? they raise them? Yeah, no. yeah. No. These okay. are pretty big. My wife it has a hard time bending over into the washing machine as it is. Okay. Can't imagine putting it on. I guess you'd have to have front load for that. But yeah, I was like, okay, you're talking about it, just a little shelf to 250 That's 500 bucks across two. And then well, the you lumber know, probably costs that much now too. <laughs> well, they're plastic, which is even worse, right? I mean, and so, and then you know the the washers are thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars, and the dryer I got was, and you know I got it was seven thirty something or seven hundred, and I got the warranty, and then they're delivering it, and they're taking the old one away, those kinds of things, right? So in the end of the day, it was like nine hundred bucks. Yeah, and you're like, dang, that's that I could have gotten a. I could have gotten a pretty good video card for 900 bucks, right? But you got to dry the laundry. We know? just did the same thing, Home Depot, and picked up, delivered the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. It's convenience. It's, it's just easier that way. They delivered on Saturday. I'm actually kind of pumped. Like it's, this is, I mean, we've had this dryer for 20 years. I, it was one of the very first appliances we replaced in this this house we got here the old dryer went out and I remember thinking, I think so, so this would have been 2002 or three and and, uh, I remember, th- I, I think I paid 350 for it. And I was thinking, Oh my God, this is the most expensive thing in the world. Right. And now, you know, it's just crazy how, how those things, uh, have those things changed. Well, anyways, we're spending some time through working through a PC build. Appreciate the conversation around it. If you want to talk about it, AMD versus Intel, what kind of GPU, we talk about coolers, cases, all those kinds of things. If you didn't listen to the show, it's kind of an old school PC build show last week. Big thanks to Ryan and Bob who joined us, thinkcomputers.org. I think it's 547 if you want to go out um, and check that out. Jay, something I want to share with you uh, before we get started talking about some enterprise um, security and and some of those kinds of things with, with cams, but I... Um, I bought a new TV this week and installed it on the deck. So if you're watching the video, um, this was one of those things like I've been thinking about for a long time. And, you know, the picture we got here, it's kind of the TV is actually it's a 32 inch. um, Well, here I will bring up the um, let's see. What is it? It's 32 inch insignia. There we go. Uh, uh, 1080p. uh, It's got Fire TV built in. It's a 2022 model. So it's a new, it's a fairly new TV. You know, a lot of folks put these in like even Uyghur, put some on the house or they build an enclosure in for them. And I'm actually going to, um, I, you can see here, I just bought a monitor stand, clamped it to the, the railing on the deck. And then 
where the picture's taken from is on the other side. We have like a seating area. And so it's on the other side of the seating area. Uh, 150 for the TV, which like 32 inch, uh, you know, 30, yeah, you know, although today I got a slick deal alert, target 4k 43 inch, 140 bucks. Right. Like, Oh, and I didn't necessarily buy this one cause it was the best deal. I mean, it was, it was a good deal at a one at 150, he's, but, um, these comments here is the same thing I was just going to ask you. Is it waterproof or is that? Clampable stand for a reason. Yeah, no, that clampable stand is for a reason. The waterproof televisions are eight or nine hundred, and I wouldn't put a even waterproof. I wouldn't put out th- this exposed, right? I would put it closer to the house. But the plan was the clamp is going to stay, and I'm just going to cover it to keep the weather off of it. And then the TV, literally, you can just pull it right off the stand, right? It's so got it slides on and off. Yeah, just slides the the um, the visa mount just slides in, holds it in. So while we're out there, we can run that. I'll run a few more pictures uh, on this. Let's see if we can. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's a ton of fun to, um, let's see if I, if I know how to do this. So this gives you, uh, you know, gives you another, um, you know, kind of another look at the, it, of course, as soon as I plugged it in and connected it to the internet, and I had purchased an extender, you know, a Wi-Fi extender that I put in the kitchen. So I'd get, better reception out on the deck but as soon as i plugged it in it downloaded a huge update that took about 20 minutes to get through you can see it doing its updating yeah here's a kind of look at the back side of it right just kind of a this is a 20 dollar visa mount that you'd normally put on your desk that'll just take it's all metal for the most part so i'm not too worried about the weather there there's a plug that runs up for some of the lighting Uh, you can see down at the bottom there there's a plug that runs up for that I have that lighting plugged into. And this just has, has a two, you know, has a two prong outlet that plugs right into that. The Jay, one of the amazing things is, you know, the, um, uh, in the, in an early picture, you can see that yellow sticker. That's the energy consumption, right? This thing doesn't even use $20 of energy in a year. If you watched it five hours a day, like it's $20. It, and that's based on like 12 and a half cents, you know, per kilowatt hour. And I think we're 10 cents here. So it's like, holy cow, have these things gotten efficient, right? So you can see it mounted on the side. The the good news is I think we're just trying it here. Buying this kind of clamp allows me to move it around to a bunch bunch of different, a bunch of different. I never thought of doing it this way, but that's awesome. Yeah. Kind of, kind of fun. And uh, of course the, the Colts and Broncos are playing right now on prime. And, uh, but I brought that up. It was super easy. This kind of gives you the view of what you would see sitting on the deck. So it sits up a little bit, it's tilted down. So it's the screen is, is not, you're not getting the glare from that. Um, that's 32 inches. So it's not the biggest thing in the world. I don't know if I would. Sitting on the deck. Yeah. Yeah. For 150 bucks and sitting on the deck. Right. See Um, my back of my house is similar. Um, to the left of where all your stuff is left of my deck is a, like a wall, but it's just blank. There's nothing there. My wife's like, we should just get a projector and project movies Mm -hmm. or stuff up on the wall. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. to me, having a TV like this, you know, while you're at my um, grill is in roughly the same place. And we have a little seating area right there. 32 inches would be more than enough for what we would use. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I mean, 
I think I could have done a 43, but then I, this was just, I could. Yeah. Do you think that's all the space that you have? Yeah. I I think it would take up too much space for what we have. Yeah. We want to watch the football and maybe some things out there on a nice evening, have some, you know, maybe play some YouTube music videos or some of those kinds of things. What's out there. Uh, Katie J uh, says still naked in the elements. So I'll, I'll bring the TV in and it's actually in right now. So it literally, you just unplug it and bring it in. And I don't want it out there anyways. Like I don't want my neighbors. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want it. I don't want it back there. So the, you know, the mount allows for really easy, put it on, take it off. And then I'm going to buy another mount for the treadmill. And today I have a little 14.4. 1440 monitor on there and this, this baby's going on the treadmill. treadmill. <laughs> it's okay. That's what I'm all about. If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So, uh, well, especially know. one that you can use for both purposes, right? Get right. the same style yep. mount and just slip it on both. Yep. And so that's where it'll rest on the rest on the treadmill in front of the treadmill. And then, uh, when we want to bring it outside, just unplug it. Chances are I'm going to be either inside or outside, not using both at the same time. So, so pretty, what's the clamp like? Uh, it's got to, if you put it on a treadmill, it's going to be tilted. So would it just. Uh, oh no, the clamp is over oh, the, the treadmill. Uh, the thing I have on now is a full floor mount. So it, it's got four wheels on the floor and then it's got a pole that sticks straight up to the top of the treadmill. So I just need to buy an adapter to go on the top of that that fits this uh, fits this mount. Kind of like an yeah. AV stand. Yeah. No, it's exactly like an AV stand. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this is this is probably true, uh, Bob. Bob says Jim hasn't admitted that the screen is actually in front of him right now. Uh, this. <laughs> the, so Bob, you don't know how hard it is to. I've been trying to think like, maybe I'll put the screen down here. Right, I have nine screens down here right now, so I was like, maybe I can find a spot to put the. Well, you no, I I no. did that, Jim. I've got one right in front of me. <laughs> yeah, not the computer monitor, but it's I use it as a second monitor. It's actually on the wall. Yeah, kind of comes out if I needed to. Yeah, it's a Samsung. It's I don't maybe forty inches or so, but it's beautiful. It's got all the built-in you know channels and stuff. So. Got built-in channels. It's got Netflix, all the same type of type of stuff. No, it's it's. Listen, I'm addicted to screens, Jay. I just am. I can't like uh, if I, in a perfect world, I would only have screens, like my walls, screens. Yeah, right. It's just that's just what that's just what I'd have. Let's uh, three. Brian's asking me a little bit about, he says, is it a special stand clamp to release it easily to bring it back in? If so, do you have a link to share in the show notes? So I'll throw this link in the show notes, but Brian will show, I'll show it to you right now. No, not special. It just, it's, it's, it's just you would, what you would normally do is you would connect the visa mount to the monitor and then it's got just, you know, just through, through gravity, right? It just slides together. So it holds it in place. And then and typically you'd put a screw in the top to kind of lock it in. Well, I don't really need to lock it in. So I'm going to leave the screw out. And that just allows you to kind of pull it, it in and out. How does it keep from sliding all the way down the pole? Um, so the there's a clamp. Here, let's go back to the uh, 
Let's see if I got a picture of it. Oh, this is the TV. I'm not showing the. I'm not showing the post. Hold on. Let's go to. You'll you'll get to see my my ordering habits here. Let's yeah, see. There the we go. On there. There's the switch for the dryer that and <laughs> that ended up not working. Okay. So here's the clamp, yep. and you can see here. Here's the Visa connection, and then I think if you go behind here, you see this. So that Visa connection uh, has got has got brackets, and then on the clamp itself, it just slides into that piece. And then it's just clamped to the pole. But do you have so, to tighten that Allen wrench there? To... Yes. Oh. Yeah. So you, you put it in the position you want on the pole, tighten it down. Then it stays. The done. pole stays there. It's done. Yeah. The head swivels here. So I can swivel this head to either turn it up and down or side to side. Right. And, um, and so the key is for me is to find another arm that'll fit the AV stand that I have in the treadmill desk. So you need that the right diameter. That fits pole. this. Yeah, okay. fits this. So I could just slide it in. So, so Brian, that's how it works. You can see here, this was 25 bucks. So not terribly expensive for, uh, for a stand like that. And it, it just literally installed. You can kind of see down here, here's how you, you know, there's a, an adjustment to clamp it to the pole an adjustment to do the, to do this, I don't know what they camber adjustment. I don't know what that's called. You know where you tilt it down or tilt it up. Just call you, it tilt. Yeah, there you go, tilt. And then of course, there's a good picture of how the Visa bracket fits into the clamp. So pretty cool. Twenty. Listen, um, yeah, not a bad price for utility you get from it. The um, what I'm finding in this space, like these things used to be a little bit more expensive, but they have dropped. Like monitor mounts have dropped to the bottom. They're 20 bucks, 20, 25, 30 bucks. And they get your monitors off your desk, no stands. I, I didn't even install the stands that came with the TV. So uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty pumped about sitting out on the deck watching a little TV. And, right, that's what I'm saying. You're going to be out there with your laptop, and you'll have a HDMI into the, the screen there. You're going to be doing everything outside from It's home. very possible. Well... And because it's a movable mount, it allows us to move it around kind of, you know, we might, and it, I've got plugs all over the, the, you know, the deck. So we could kind of put it on either side. We got some flexibility with it. It literally takes a minute to move it. So it was a cool, it was a cool gadget by 170 bucks, probably with the mount and the say 175 with the, um, the mount and the TV. That's a pretty good. You know, it's not the 900 I dropped on the dryer, but, you know, it's, it's, you it's, get more use. Out of it. I will get a lot. Of, well, I will get a lot of use out of the dryer, but we I'm hoping to get a oh, lot. You'll of use get more of use out of the TV. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Indeed. So, well, uh, Jay, last time I had you on, we kind of ended the show talking a little bit about what you do. And, you know, we said, hey, in this area of you know, kind of enterprise security and some of the, some of the, especially in the space and the camera space, right. Having these things that kind of watch what's going on. I think in the interim, I had a guest on where we talked, kind of talked about the AI and what they do, you know, it's, it's basically putting a human between the AI and the, and the police basically, right. What they do. But I said, I'd have you back to talk a little bit about what you do. So give us, reacquaint us with with that area that you do and let's talk a little bit about this sure no i work in contract security so we provide 
physical security, manpower, the actual people that go in and secure buildings and um, transportation centers and so on and so forth. I mean, hospitals, universities, tech campuses, um, all of the major tech companies we've secured if, if we're not securing currently. And so we provide the people and we do a little higher. We're not the sit we sit back in a chair with your feet on the desk, eat in a donut type of security. We are a little high, higher level. So we provide very, very trained people to go in and secure property and people. And then in addition to that, we have non-uniformed people. So again, people that go into the campuses like the the giant campuses. After YouTube got shot up uh, a few years back, all of the campuses wanted people to go on their facility and walk around in plain clothes so that nobody would know they were there, but their staff would feel safe. So we went, we do all that, we provide all that. But in addition to that, our clients, my clients, I work with the client very close to discuss their program. So what they need. So for example, if it's a building that has a truck yard and maybe a data center, we have different style officers that go in each one of those locations to handle the access control, which is the people that come on and off the property. So whether it be a customer on and off the property, whether it be employees on and off a property, or trucks that are delivering product or taking product away, or even just the data, the information these data centers have very large mainframes and rows and rows of um, computer systems and networks that transmit data to all of their locations. So we secure all of that, all of the the access control of people and product, uh, people and services coming on and off. But then when we're working with these clients, we try to find and identify other areas that we can kind of complement the service. And that's where we bring in camera systems. We bring in robots if necessary. We bring in drones if necessary. We have command centers. We have global command centers. So we do have a whole bunch of technology that we bring in to complement the man guarding piece of the service. Mm -hmm. Let's let's start. I've uh, got some questions for you around, and, and really what I kind of will look for is your kind of where we're at uh, when we think about these technologies. So we've heard a lot in the news about facial recognition and it being used in airports and for data security and some of those. Uh, we've, we've spent some time um, talking more, and we'll talk about this here in a second, but talking more about physical recognition. In other words, being able to recognize a car, a dog, and a person, right? Separating those, uh, those ideas of movement. But in today and the stuff that you're working in at this level, where are we at from facial recognition and, and how important is that in the space that you're in? No, it, it could be very important. And you bring up some really good points. So when you're doing a major campus, like one of these tech companies, and you can pick any name, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Microsofts, any one of those, their campuses are huge and they're global. So we can't just say, let's put an officer at every entryway because it would be thousands of officers. So what we do is we complement that with trying to funnel people to one entry point, try to have cameras that help. We have facial recognition cameras. So there's two types that, that I've seen in the field, and that's the one where you walk up to a kiosk and it scans your face and you know comes up with your information. It recognizes you, the gate opens, you walk through it. 
So what you end up having is maybe one guard instead of five guards or one officer instead of five officers that will sit there and monitor the machines to make sure that everything is functioning the way it should. But that saves the manpower. So you're, you pay once for these machines that are very expensive, but you pay one time, but you save four officers for, you know, forever because those people, you'd have to continue paying that so- their salaries. But so you have that one where you walk up to a kiosk. The other one that I think is amazing is they're kind of up in the ceiling and they point down at the door. So you don't know they're there. And when you walk in, it's doing a quick scan of you. And then it knows you walked in. So the employee, in most cases, the employee will walk into the building and the gates will just open. Mm. They don't know how, they don't know why. They just know that they're opening. To me, that's very impressive. It's a little creepy, but it's very, very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. How, how accurate are those? I mean, in 2019, I went to London and when I was going into London, you know, they did a face scan and they pulled me aside because my passport ID didn't, I didn't have a beard and I'd grown a beard since then. Right. And so the software struggled a little bit as a couple of years ago, but in the, in the work that you're doing, can it account for those things? What happens if it doesn't get it right? Well, if it doesn't get it right, it just, the gates don't open. And then you have to go see the officer to find out why. And it'll, it's a manual process from that point out. Your officer will check your credentials. They'll find out if you truly belong in the building. They'll open the gate. Um, However, in a perfect world, the gate opens because you walked in the building. And as far as facial hair goes, if it's like mine or yours, it's still going to recognize you. If you've got a very large beard that might be black, and it's just going to cut off enough of your face that it might not recognize that. So ZZ Top out ZZ of the... Top. It does not enter the building. <laughs> out. <laughs> no ZZ Top in the building. Maybe the drummer, but that's it. <laughs> we never saw the drummer. It was did, just the, did you know that, that the drummer is the only one in the band that's named Beard and he doesn't have a beard? <laughs> that's hilarious. Just side that's note. hilarious. That's good stuff. Well, you're a music guy, so you know the you know that the uh when we when we think about facial recognition then a lot of folks got kind of creeped out by it because of the data security and some of those pieces in a in an enterprise setting or in a corporate security setting is there as much scrutiny uh around that of data privacy or facial privacy you know at first people thought it was crazy and oh what are we you know entering a movie here or something like that now it's second nature people don't care they yeah. just walk in. It's like anything else. It's like your your phone when you had your thumbprint or now it's got facial recognition. It's just common. It's mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, higher tech than that, yeah. than your phone. Yeah. But it does the same thing. You look at yeah. something and it captures you and you walk in. Yeah. The, the difference from your phone to the systems that we have, if it's in the ceiling, you you don't have to be staring right at it. But it's going to capture enough of your face to open up a gate. Yeah. Do, would you do you feel comfortable enough since this is home gadget geeks and we're talking about technology that eventually makes its way to the home? Do you ever think you'd feel comfortable with facial recognition at the door of your house that only let your family in? And I would. And you think you think so? Yeah, I mean, only because I've used it so much at this point that it's kind of like we said with the phone. You may not have thought that was a good thing at the beginning, but now yeah. everybody's doing it. Are we ready today? Could we could we do that? Would you feel comfortable with the technology to if I put a camera over the top of my door and it I'm assuming I'd have to have all my family scan 
right? right. There, there's a process, right? You, yep. You'd go through, they do all these Very scans. simple process. Yeah. You, you'd be okay. You think today that would be okay if my front door was locked and unlocked based on that technology. You know, I, I do. I think I would feel very comfortable, like I said, because I've been involved in it for a while. Um, and I'm an early jumper to begin with, so mm-hmm. I do like to jump on technology early. Mm-hmm. That might be one that I may have been a little hesitant to back, you know, a little earlier in this process. But I think it would be good. And you know what? It would keep my wife to actually lock the door. I mean, she, <laughs> she, she does not like locking the door right now. She really? in and out, leaves it unlocked all day. Really? I mean, we're lucky we live in a nice neighborhood. And yeah. I can tell you exactly where that is. <laughs> yeah, no, shh, don't, don't say. I'm sure somebody <laughs> could find it. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it and, and is there any at the consumer level? I mean, this is super expensive, you know, when we think of these big data center spaces. Is there anybody? Uh, is uh, uh, KDJ? He, he's not. He's not in favor no. of this at all. Um, is there anybody in the in the consumer space that's getting close to this that you know of, or have you seen anything like that? I haven't seen anything, but the same people that make it for us make it for others. So it, I definitely would not think that is far off. Yeah, but yeah. like I said, right now it's it's fairly expensive, but I don't think it's going to be expensive forever. We're talking about you know typical cameras that do this it's nothing special yeah well sighthound who we've been following mike weger uh, uh, you know introduced me to that they do they do kind of object recognition and and this is this is the area where you know it differentiates a deer from a banana man from a from a human right i think and and um and so that is down at the consumer level but i have yet to see that kind of integrated in with access your, your door yeah yeah access certainly could be you know you think our door locks have gotten really good over the last three years now you know what i think most people don't realize with door locks right so if you're going to automate your door lock your door has to really work like it has to shut and shut perfectly right every single time and if you have one of those you're like oh no i gotta kind of jimmy it or pull it in or like you know, whatever. It's not going to work. No, it's not going to work on those. Those things, those things won't work. But in the area, so how do you, how are you guys, when we think about object recognition versus facial recognition, how are you, do you guys use that and how are you finding it helpful? We do use it. We don't use it in the access control portion, but what we do is use it out in the field. So a lot of our fields are large, large truck, truck yards. Some of them are just open open land like we have we have um one of the power grids so it's just massive amounts of open land before you hit the next power station and so on so we what we do is we have camera systems staged at strategic locations across the property and it will recognize the difference between a person or an animal or the wind blowing or making a sound or something going by the camera that might not quite be a person. So it does recognize all that stuff. But what I like about it, in addition to that, are these cameras can talk to you. So if it does detect a person in in California, unfortunately, the homeless population is so large that people come onto this property to try to just find a quiet place Uh, to sleep or set up camp or those type of things. And because it's private property, they're not allowed to do so. So what happens as soon as they reach a certain point on the property, because you wouldn't know what that point was otherwise, 
But as soon as they reach a certain point, the camera will light up and somebody in a control center will see that and they're able to talk to that person through the camera. So they can just let them know, hey, you're about to enter private property, we're going to need you to turn around and so on. And if it does, if the person turns around and walks away, then, you know, problem solved, everything's done. But if they don't, then we can send machine, either machines, the robot style camera systems and stuff, or most likely what we do is send somebody out in a golf cart to go say, hey, we need you to keep moving on. Mm-hmm. Move on. Yeah, and, and oftentimes, do you find that's effective enough to just a voice coming on over the camera and saying, oh, yeah. hey, you can't stay here, you need to move on, is enough? In most cases, it's more than enough. Because everybody knows. I mean, unfortunately, like I said, the homeless population, they're just they're not there to cause trouble. They're just looking for a place yeah. that they can sleep. Yeah. And they know if they've walked to a point, you know, it's wide open land. So they know as soon as they hit that point, oh, I just got told to turn around. I can turn around, walk five feet, and set up camp right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned, you've said the word robot a couple times. Oh. T- tell me how you think, like, I think we're thinking, like, get off the property, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. What, how do you guys, how are you guys, when you say robot, what do you mean? Oh, these are awesome. These really? are absolutely okay. awesome. There's three main types of robots that I see out in the field. Now, these are not that common okay, mm-hmm. because they're expensive and most facilities that we secure don't have a need for them. However, when you do see them, they are awesome. Now, the first one that uh, I used to see all the time was a small little egg-shaped thing, kind of looked like more of an R2-D2 style um, robot. You know, maybe four foot tall in kind of that egg shape with heavy base, kind of like a weeble, you know, wobble but won't fall down Mm -hmm. style thing. Mm -hmm. And it would just move. It's on wheels, but it looks like it's just hovering. And it would patrol property everywhere. It would just go on a campus. Cameras on it? Mm. Had cameras. The head would swirl. You could see cameras from different points in the head. Mm -hmm. And again, it had the ability for somebody in a control center to talk through it. The machine could take certain commands on its own. So if these campuses, especially in these tech companies, the companies that can truly afford to have these robots walking around their or rolling around their property, they have giant campuses with several like um, big garages, you know, multi-floor garages. And people forget where they park all the time. And they don't know because things look so similar. So they don't know they were in building A versus building C or something like that. So what happens is when somebody looks lost, the robot identifies it, goes to that person and says, can I help you find something? Mm. And the first time a robot does that to a person, it's funny. The reaction is just (laughs) funny. But the robot will ask him and they'll say, I can't find my car. And then, you know, it might ask you for a license plate. And then it would either know from past um, patrols or it would help you find it. So what it could do is as it rolls through a parking garage, it's scanning license plates Ah. and it knows where vehicles are. So then when it comes back, or maybe there might be another one patrolling while this one's out, you know, talking to people, then it will go ahead and help you find your car. It'll, you know, if it knows where your car is, follow me and it'll turn around and it'll start walking away and you just follow it to your car. Would you tell it your driver's or your license plate number so that it would know? You, you would have to either tell it your license plate number or have some other way of knowing, okay. you know, okay. it's a red Honda. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah something yeah. like that. Wow. 
Yeah, it, it. I think this the software we looked at was able to identify make and models of the cars that were right. So same. God, what a great way. I mean, what a great use of a robot while it's wandering around doing security of providing, you know, because if you do get lost, that would be helpful. Might as well be while you're rolling around identifying cars, labeling them like, hey, okay, I know where all this stuff is. And then, I mean, there's a lot of different things you could do with that. Like, I mean, you could say, how full is our garage or you know, what, what's the, what, what time of the day is most of the traffic or, you know, what, what of part of the garage has the greatest density in it of vehicles, right? There's all kinds of reports you could get out of that kind of stuff while it's just rolling around doing it's, you know, and humans can do that too. I mean, old security guys that used to do that, they would kind of, after a while, they get intuitive about that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, I saw that over there, you know, right. deal, but. But what a great, what a great way to double, you know, to, to, and make it a great, like you said, like make it a great customer service experience when somebody can't, can't find their vehicle. You can take that a step further. I mean, these things are patrolling around and if it sees a a young kid, it can go up and tell a joke. It could amuse Mm. the kid long Mm. enough for the parent to do what they're on campus to do. Yeah. You know, a kid is just amazed to see this little robot walking around. So, I mean, it's those type of things to me that make the job fun. And, you know, you, you program the thing to do whatever you'd like it to do. Yeah. Well, and you just, you know, you kind of wonder from a form factor standpoint, you know, Brian had said soon enough, maybe, you know, send the Tesla bot. But, I mean, I wonder what the right form factor for that is to make people feel comfortable and yet for it to have maximum security. You know, well, we, I've seen two other form factors that are, pro, I mean, they're cool looking, but they're probably not as cute and family friendly as the little egg. But there's a, another one that is kind of like the C-3PO type. It's made to look human-ish. More humanoid. Yeah. And yeah. It's much, it's much more rare than the little egg because the egg can go places you're not worried about it falling over. You know, the robot has to be on a flat surface. And it's more of like, uh, to me, it's more like a gimmick. It's a concierge type thing. So when somebody walks into a building, the robot can say, you know, who are you here to see? Or yeah. how can I help yeah. you? And somebody in a command center can communicate through that robot to the person. Yeah. So you kind of cut down on staff and traffic, but it's not very exciting because if that thing were to step just an inch off, it would fall over. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And like, I don't know if I'm all that excited about humanoid looking robots as opposed to more functional devices that are, that do exactly what they're designed to do. They don't have to look like humans. Like I think sometimes we think, well, we'll make it look like a human. We'll only make it like a human if you need the human experience to do the work. But we're not, we're not necessarily, our bodies were not necessarily efficiently designed for those kinds of things. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's why they need to be a little bit different on them. But um, do you find, so um, in, in, the, in, the, in the world of people being creeped out by these things at times, are you finding that's getting better? Are people getting more used to, let me give you an example too. Um, so 
uh, Christian Johnson, who is a longtime contributor, is coming back on the show here in a couple weeks. He, when he worked for NASA, they had a telepresence robot that he could control. So he would he would control the robot from his home, and his face would appear on a screen on the thing, and then it could roll around and he could join meetings. And it's kind of the this was long before the you know the the pandemic, so this was still kind of. Do do you find it, one? Do you work with any that where like a robot goes out and a face shows up instead of like it may show up on a screen, but a human shows up? And two, do you feel like people get creeped out by these things? I I did see. I haven't seen them in a long time, but I did see ones that had kind of like wheels and more like tank tires. You know, the belts that go around the the wheels. And it would just roll around, but it would be have an iPad on it. And that yeah. iPad would be like FaceTime. So you would just, the robot was nothing but a remote control. Somebody would sit there in a control center and move it with levers, and it would go to wherever you needed to go, and the iPad would be FaceTiming whoever was there. Mm-hmm. So they could see you and so forth. But I haven't seen that in a while, not since the technology's evolved. Yeah, just kind of wondering... You know, if I go back to my, some of my favorite movies are, you know, the, the RoboCop movies and they're just, cause they're kind of campy, but some of them, like some of the technologies have actually worked out right from when they were doing that in, in RoboCop two, you know, Kane at one point a uh, screen comes out and it's his face. It's a representation, right. Of his face in, and you kind of wonder like, would we accept a more humanoid looking robot if it had more of a human looking face than if it was I don't know. I think that'd be more <laughs> creepy to me. Seeing yeah, you, something you, come up trying to look human. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather see the egg because the okay. the, the yeah. egg to me, you know yeah. it's a robot, you know what right. it's doing. Yeah. Right. Um the third one is the newest one I've seen and probably the most impressive, and that's the one that looks like a dog. You know, it it doesn't have a head or a tail, but it's got like a body. Yeah. It's got four legs that are just kind of got that angle to them like a dog. So it looks aggressive. But the reason for it is because it goes out into terrain. It can walk up and down hills. You know, it can walk over rocks. And it's basically a camera. It's just a hub with a camera in it. And the legs are able to take it onto the field. So it can go places that the robots can't go or the other robots can't go. I th- I think we're looking at something like this, right? Yeah, something very similar to that. It's the it looks almost identical to that. The the one we have is a, a little large. Well, it's a lot larger compared yeah. to that. Though. Yeah, but it's um, the size of like a German Shepherd. The one we have, the legs are a little bit wider out, and it's more. You know, it's got better colors. It's not a solid black. It looks more. Well, this is a $700 robot. So let's, but it has that same, that same look, the legs look very similar and it's probably controlled very similar to that. And, but it goes out into, you know, the fields. So you can go into a grass field, like high grass, you can go into, you know, divots and moguls and stuff. And it can, so basically the purpose of it. So you say you identify, the homeless person or any intruder that you ask to leave. And maybe they just drop their stuff down and walk away. Well, now you don't know what they dropped down. So you don't want to send a person out to find out what they dropped down. So you can send this dog looking robot out, which is nothing but a remote control camera. And the camera can go right up to it and check it out and kind of poke it a little bit and find out what it is. 
Yeah, I think, you know, Bob is saying, is that a Boston Dynamics clone? Yeah, I mean, Boston Dynamics has made these popular. I think they've done probably the most research on making these things work. Some of the videos on these things are crazy, what they're doing, you know, kicking them and knocking them over, and they have incredible balance, and their center of gravity is low. I mean, it's kind of amazing. And they are kind of all-terrain, you know, it'll be interesting to see I'm sure they're actually already working on military versions of these, right? I'm sure they had those first. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're probably right. Brian says, "I wonder if smart assistants have removed or lowered the need for a humanoid-style robot to assist people in these situations." Right? Ten years ago, wonder if people would have had a different preference. And and Jay, I'm wondering if he's right in some regard. Is like as we get more comfortable with these digital assistants in our homes and speaking to them. If that's lowered the creepy factor of these, of these, some of these robots, I don't know. What well, do you think? That was a factor, right? If you think about the first time these devices entered your home and you were talking to a basically a, a transistor radio looking thing, it's it's kind of odd. You find yourself talking to a piece of equipment. Yeah. But now it's second nature. I mean, the first time I heard my family walking around talking to the the box, I thought I just thought it was just odd and funny myself. But now I tell my family, just go ask the box. Yeah. So no, I yeah. think it's definitely made a, a big difference. And we have them in, I don't know how it happened, but I think we have one in every room at this point. <laughs> they just kind of multiplied at one they point, do. They really they? do. I mean, I They're literally like, have one right here on my desk right yeah. now. Yeah, I've got one here. Let's see, where is it? Can you see it? Oh, my mic's covering it. There we go. I got one in between the gap right there. There's one. And then hidden behind my diploma is another one right there yeah. from another company that starts with the letter G. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I got one of those. And so I've often thought about I should just move those to my desk because they don't hear me really well back here. Uh, but I'm like, no, I like I like having the camera as I'm showing that on screen here. I like having the camera. I have it back in the camera. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering how those are conditioning us in a lot of ways. I um, you know, I use them for all the lights, all the studio lights, but I've also you know, I put home assistant, I got home assistant working again and they're all connected to that and then I've got, you know, I've got a touch screen that's got all the so I can turn all the lights on and off through the touch screen as well. Sometimes that's a lot more convenient than just saying it. Yes, I prefer it you myself. Know, do you? So you prefer a, either a physical or a digital switch that you could just touch on and off? Well, I have the the screened version here on my desk, so it's got a seven or so inch screen on it. So it's kind of like a either a little TV looking thing, but when it, you mm-hmm. do have the point, it's kind of like a tablet. So most cases, especially when there's people around, it be, it's much easier to just tap it than it is to talk to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, other things um, like these type of devices, I enjoy like talking to them. I much prefer to your talk. phone. Your phone yes. is what you're showing. Yeah. Yes, sorry, the the phone or yeah. any other handheld device like that, because to me, I I would rather talk a text message than type one. So I would rather have it play the text message than actually read it, especially because I spend a lot of time in the car. So that's one of the greatest things is the Apple Play to have in the car, and it reads your messages to you, or you can just mm-hmm. dictate one to mm-hmm. it. I think that stuff's amazing. Or tell it, hey, please read my last email, and boom, it's reading your email for you. 
So I'm a Stargate fan. Have you ever watched Stargate? The, the okay. So um, in the series, there you know there it's 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 kind of a futuristic kind of thing, but they always have an earpiece and a microphone that comes down, no matter where they're at, right? And they can tap on it and it'll communicate. And it's just an easy way for the show to get you know to get around the communication problems that exist that would exist normally. And but that is a style of like communications when, 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 and I know, you know, we try to put these Bluetooth things in our ears and make a short microphone. They were just terrible. Although I heard a pair of Jabra's the other day that were just dynamite. They were just in the ear. You couldn't even see them and the sound was great. So maybe we're getting better at that, but I'd really, I'd rather have the assistant. I mean, I'd wear a full-time microphone to make sure it's close and it sounded good. I'd wear that full time. And I know that that didn't get a good, like when we did Bluetooth, my, you know, Bluetooth stuff that way, I don't know what, eight, nine years ago, eight, seven, seven, eight years ago, the public hated it. Yeah. Yeah. The public hated it. Like they, cause people would walk around, you know, yelling their phone conversations at people. Right. But I, I still, if I had a thin little wire that would come down and have a microphone on it and then, it would allow me, you know, and I think we're getting close to having some Google eyewear or something along that, that, that does that. That's the kind of the form factor I'm looking for. I would much rather have that than to, to your point, to hold up a phone and talk to the phone. Okay. First of all, that is the most gigantic first world problem. I like here, here I am saying I have a supercomputer in my hand right. and I, I, <laughs> I don't want to talk to it. I that I'm not sure I've been any more arrogant, actually. And, uh, well, let's let's turn it back to something positive, right? You got your yeah. earpiece there. <laughs> I like the things that so people know you're on a, a phone. Yeah, I don't like it when you're yeah. just walking around talking to yourself. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I look at people. Are they talking to me or who who are they talking to? But if you have a headset or if you have something on that identifies you're on a call, it makes it a little less creepy to me. Yeah, well, no, that and that was the problem, right? Was that people you couldn't you'd be looking at somebody, they'd be looking at you and then they'd say something and you'd go to answer back and they'd go, right. You know, kind of deal. You're like, Oh, and people hated that. Just hated it. But it's embarrassing for the person who's, who you're, who's responding to you. And it's embarrassing for the person who's out there talking like that. Well, it, it is, um, I do find Jay and maybe for me, the intermediate, 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 Anyways, the thing in between (laughs) is my watch. And I do, I am finding, I am getting very, very comfortable pulling my watch up and saying, hey, device, like, what's this? Or where would I find that? Or what is the distance to the moon? Or whatever I'm trying to, right? And, and, And I'm using it for more and more obscure queries, you know, of, like what's around me or what's the distance to the nearest gas station or whatever. Right. So maybe, maybe that's the right. Then people know I'm talking to my watch cause I have my hand up. It's loud enough that it comes back to me. I don't know. Maybe that's the right thing to, to bridge the gap. I do like that. Cause I mean, it shows you're on, you're talking to something other than whoever might be walking by. Uh-huh. I yeah. like that stuff. I was yeah. doing it with my daughter just the other night. We read a football game. She's a cheerleader and, we were coming home and I don't remember what we were looking up, but we were discussing something and debating it and she wouldn't take my advice. Oh, we were talking about um, how much is a couple, how much is a few and how much is several. <laughs> and 
She didn't believe me for anything I said to her. She just mm-hmm. would not believe me. And I only laughed because my wife and I, and I don't know how this happened, but my wife and I had the same conversation like a day or two before. And we looked it up on our phone when my wife and I were arguing about it. And then um, I just talked to the the car, in this case with my daughter, and it just read us back the answers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it it seems like the watches are getting more useful. I have the Apple, uh, the Apple Watch 4, and we're already up to 8. Right. At this point, and and I just saw the ads for that. It'll actually not just measure your steps, but the gait of your steps, like how 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 wide are your steps to get more accurate. It's crazy what these things can do. It does does make me kind of want one, just to be honest. It's like, well, I, I didn't, you know, I don't buy it on every version, but I don't know which model I have. It's at least it's probably the four as well. Okay. Um, but I use it all the time, but I don't know if, if there's anything new that I would need. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, don't. there's nothing new nothing that you need. ever need. Like, let's be really clear about that. I don't know if there's anything but, new that I would want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for, for me, these things have a certain life expectancy. I guess from a battery standpoint, you know, I've had mine for three years, maybe four. And so I'm kind of thinking like, well, I mean, the battery's fine now, but if I could get a trade in on it, uh, that might be now might be the time to trade it in, get a couple bucks for it and, yeah. you know, an upgrade. So they do pretty I don't know. good with their trade ins. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I bought my original one through sprint and, you know, they spread out the payments like $3 a month or whatever. It was pretty, it was pretty stupid. Yeah, it was pretty stupid. It's paid for at this point, but well, so maybe I hadn't really thought of it that way, Jay, but maybe, that, you know, maybe our watches will start to provide more of that communications platform for us as opposed to wearing something. Although I am seeing a new, a whole new set of glasses. I haven't done any work on, on it, doing any investigation stuff, but is do, does, does that kind of, does the VR or that kind of AR world play into your space at all? As of right now, I haven't seen anything, but I'm sure it's coming. I mean, the technology is amazing. Um, the glasses are slightly bigger than the ones we're wearing. You know, a little bit larger. You fit a screen in there so you can display a few things. You have the either the lens or in the stem of your glasses. or um, And then a lot of them have the little speaker that comes down on the side. I think, I think that stuff's great. But again, if you're walking around talking to yourself, nobody knows you're on a phone if you're doing it. Yeah. So, but I that do was like the, the problem. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I do like the, the idea of an officer being able to walk into someplace and have what they're seeing being displayed on a screen in a command center. Yeah. Well, that was the problem with Google Glass when it first came out. It was just a little like people didn't really behave themselves from a, you know, a usage standpoint. And it was a, it got the same reception as those Bluetooth headsets that people were wearing all the time. You know, they'd be shouting something on a phone while they were walking around and I, think a lot of people found that rude, you know, now I'm, I'm wondering if the culture is softening to some of those kinds of things now in a post pandemic world, when we were all, we were all locked in away from each other. If that's a different, you know, if things are different today, maybe a little bit than they were before. Um, certainly the VR AR world, I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the whole build, my whole PC build is an attempt to join kind of my son in the VR space. And so, you know, I'm all for AR. I think AR is going to be awesome. Yeah. 
I mean, if you think about just the use of the glasses themselves, you could be walking through a museum and having things that you're looking at being identified and described on your glasses. I mean, anything like that would be great. The practical stuff of like an officer, like I said, walking through something and just having people yeah. be able to see what they're identifying. You know, we do that now. Um, one of the things we didn't mention, we have handheld devices, which are similar to a phone. Um, very similar. I mean, they can make a call. They're not designed to be a phone, but essentially they are. And officers can go in the field and they just hold that phone up to like a different doorway and it identifies what door they're at. So they can sit there and make notes in the, the box and say, hey, I'm at this door and it, I found it was it was left open. So please, I, please make sure everybody checks this door on your next round, mm. you know, things like that. Or they can walk through and say, they can go to the phone and press a button, identifies the command center, the command center can turn the camera on and they can see. So we can say, hey, look, uh, there's trash that's under the stairwell. You know, let's make sure that this gets taken yeah. care of. Yeah. So that type of stuff is cool. And and then again, just like you mentioned with the glasses and the same thing with these devices, you can enter the creepy side of the world or the things that they shouldn't be used for. Mm-hmm. I see um, with the glasses, people taking pictures of things they shouldn't be taking pictures of. I see in the in the world, like we give command um, control in a laptop form, this software for they can log in and view reports that the officers give. But one of the other things they could do if we allow them access to do it is they can access the microphone and the camera on the device. So they can turn, if they haven't heard from an officer in a certain period of time, they can turn on the camera and microphone uh, and they can find out where that officer is. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of a little big brother-ish, but it's also, it's designed for safety purposes. But Yeah, no, no. Listen, in a civilian type environment, like that may be creepy. In a security kind of environment, you know, you know you're being watched. Right. Right. It's it's a different of it's a difference of expectations. And I don't think there's any certainly if I'm a security guy and it's a you know, it's a it's an area I mean, there may even be some military applications for that when you think about being able to turn it on and see where this person is or you know, what what have you yeah, in those kind of environments, I think it's. I don't think that's Big Brother. I think that's security. Well, Again, that's the line that's between the security is. and surveillance is right. very is very close, right? But you said it perfectly. Yeah. You know you're being watched. You're the one Correct. watching, Correct. and you know you're yeah. being watched. And it's for your own safety. That's the purpose yeah. behind it. Is for your safety. Consent is the key, right? On well, yes. is the difference on that, right? And consent. Um, Bob is reading my mind. He said, uh, Jim um, will have issues with AR. He'll be unsure of how many screens to project, right? Um, I was just, Jay, I was just going to ask you this question. I mean, that may be one of the things I was thinking of, like, in a true AR environment, a lot of the processes that I do at work require or I'm more efficient when I have multiple screens. In a true, and I'm not doing much with them except looking up data and copy and pasting stuff over in an AR environment where I could completely have a custom interface for that, I could literally sit there with a hand controller, set those monitors to be exactly what I wanted in the workflow, and then do my job inside of AR, which would be way more efficient, to be honest, than in real life, IRL, right? So, Bob, like maybe I need to hurry up and get this video. I just kind of thought, yeah, I do these 
as an example, I do these processes every month where, and I just got a new file today. All our certified coaches, we send an email, we send them a newsletter on a monthly basis. I get all the bounces. So I have to grab the file, look at the email, compare it to our, to our database, see, oh, have they given us, did they change their address in the last two years? Right. We have a file for that. Then did it, okay, so who are they? Where, where, where is that? And then grab their name and go over to LinkedIn. If we don't have a secondary email address form, find them on LinkedIn and send them a note. Now I could, I think, do that all via AR. If I set up those screens, I, I couldn't because it's at work and they won't give me access to it. But let's just assume for a second I could, right? That should work in an AR. That would be an efficient use of work in an AR setting, don't you think? I think it'd be awesome. I mean, all all I think is the average person is going to walk around with a set of glasses and they'll have that one screen in front of them that they do everything on. And then I picture people like myself having a few screens and then I picture you just having a, a wall. Well, it, would, it, would, <laughs> it would only be screens. Like I, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know what that, that just makes me feel comfortable. Like I'm, it's I like, like a warm blanket. At one time. Yep. <laughs> and I, like I don't want to. Three screens. That's my uh, comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got one, two, three, four, five here. I'm only using really one, but you know, cameras are going on one and there's some, you know, my, my Google uh, analytics account is up there and I got the weather on this one and all the home automation controls are right here. I like, I like it. CPU. No, no, they're spread. I got the Mac, the two ones to the right are on windows. This is on a, on the surface. So, okay. Three. Cause I have five screens as well. Yeah, but they're all. I've got two on one machine and then three laptops. So yeah, no, and for some things you want pro, you want different processing power for those. You wouldn't want to necessarily combine them. Oh, and then I've got a a Fire tablet that's got the humid humidstats, you know, for the cigars. So I always kind of know what humidity <laughs> those are at. Yeah, I'm a visual guy, right? That's just what I like, but. I hadn't until we started talking about this. I hadn't really thought about the use of VR in a production state for me, and I've always kind of poo-pooed VR in a not poo-pooed it, but I've been skeptical of it having use. But all of a sudden now, I'm like, well, shoot! Like if I could set up those screens the way I want them and create some processes in in the virtual world. I could be way more that then then it would then it would be that weird what a minority report where they're doing all the weird hand things <laughs> that would be weird exactly but yeah, my question is where's the power coming from you know where's the uh, CPU how are you if you're on oh, the move true. yeah you know, you're, yeah. I mean I yeah, guess no eventually it's going to I mean is it powered off a phone that sits in your pocket I mean that could be a, a possibility yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. In 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 this case that I'm talking about, you know, this would be a full work situation. So I'd come in, stand up or sit down, to put a VR headset on, the screens that I need would pop up, and then I would just start doing my thing. But from a it, from the prior conversation, thinking about having a pair of glasses, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, Google Glass, that would have been how long ago was that? Eight years ago? Six years ago? Somewhere. Do you yeah. think? Five, five six, seven? Five and eight. And think think about the oh, Google stop. Hey Google stop. Like I said the word. <laughs> I invoked the word and she just went crazy. You did it. I did. Um 
think about how more powerful our phones are now than they were then. So much. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jay, anything? Okay. When, let's real quick, and we don't have too much more time left, but as we think about vehicles in the security space and we think about some of the technology, you know, listen, the golf cart has, has been the mainstay of security guys forever. But is there any technology going into these these actual vehicles when we think about, you know, what's going out? Somebody's got to go out and do something. A human does. What kind of technology are you using in those in those kinds of vehicles? We have all sorts of different levels. Anything from, you know, a typical economy car that just does patrols around a parking lot to um, something a little bit more robust like a SUV that, you know, might go through a, a little bit rougher of an area. And then we have pickups that go through the terrain and so forth. But the ones that impress me the most are armored vehicles. So, again, they don't get used as often as other things do, but when they're needed, they do get used, and they're just impressive. I mean, you see these thick doors, you know, that, like, real safe-like clunk when you're closing them, and those are filled with technology as well. I mean, they're usually manned by two people, so you have a driver, and then you have somebody who's watching what's going on, and that person has access to a, similar to a police car, where you have a laptop that's strapped into it. So you have your typical um, technology and you have radio systems that you can communicate um, back and forth to the command center. And you have cameras, you have GPS units that will follow the vehicles around, any of the vehicles, including the golf cart. So, I mean, if somebody were to just hop in a golf cart and take off, you you would know where they were at all times. And the GPS units are small enough and hidden extremely well that you wouldn't know they were there. Mm -hmm. And then the other things... We can tell if the vehicles are being abused. So we know how fast they're going. We know how quickly they're coming to stops. You know, there was one job site we have that the tires were being replaced almost weekly. Oh. I mean, it was rough. and Literally burning the tires off the car. (laughs) It was brutal because if you think about it, we have to build the stuff back to a client, and we usually do it based on a fee. We don't don't just sit here and say, okay, we're going to calculate every little thing. We say... We're going to estimate gas will cost us this much money. We're going to estimate this, how much a car payment Mm -hmm. would be, and so on. And we might say, hey, this vehicle is going to cost you $1,500 a month. And the client would say, okay, and they pay $1,500 a month. But if you throw on a new set of tires, even if it was monthly, you're talking about an extra five, six, seven hundred dollars $700, depending on what kind of vehicle it is. Yeah, for sure. And we used to patrol uh, a dump, an actual dump. And the trucks would drive through and over trash and stuff, and they'd puncture tires all the time. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we were replacing those tires. It could be daily in some cases. So if we aren't able to build that back to a client, we have to find some other way of doing this. Even puncture-resistant tires don't work in a case like that. So maybe we don't patrol. We don't use that vehicle to patrol every portion of the property. So there's things like that. There was one other robot, too, we didn't mention, um, and that's – it kind of looks like those little um, vacuums, the rumbas or whatever they are mm-hmm. that walk around mm-hmm. your house. If you go into these facilities, these warehouses like Amazon's or the big warehouses, they have little robots that have like what looks like a train of baskets behind them, and they'll just go around the floor and maneuver, and they know if somebody walks in front, they'll stop. And the first time I saw this, it was amazing to me. And I was just blown away by how many robots were walking around the floor. 
there's hundreds of people or thousands of people. And there's, you know, a large number of robots all over the floor. But you get used to them, and after a while, you don't even realize the robot's there. Or yeah. you're looking for the robot. Hey, where's my parts? I asked that robot <laughs> to bring these parts. Yeah. So it's funny. Some of the stuff is just hilarious to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought of it all ended on this. I was, I think I was chatting with Ed Sullivan the other day, and I thought of this great use. You know, I've always wanted a security drone or a security, yeah, drone would be the right would be the right thing to use where if the cameras detected um, a movement, it would take off from a, you know, it'd be in an enclosed box. And if it detected movement, the box would open up and then it'd shoot up into the air, start filming and then start moving towards the movement. Right. Well, okay. So thinking of a, of a drone in that, you know, in, in that light. And then, so, marry that with your Peloton bike. So say I want to ride, I want to do a bike ride across the country. I can send my drone out and, and as I'm biking, it'll actually flying. be flying the route, right? Showing me the, where I would be, you know, where I, if I was actually on the route, where I would be, what was around me, what was doing like, how cool would that be? Wouldn't that be cool? And you got a mister in your face. <laughs> exactly. That'd be awesome. And, you know, because I, I did this for a while. I used to be on the bike and I'd watch YouTube videos of bike of people who would bike certain, you know, certain trails or certain roads or whatever. And it was much more enjoyable than just sitting on a bike doing nothing. Now, Peloton changed the equation by putting, you know, fitness instructors on these things who would tell you crazy stories and, they were super hot. Like you wanted to watch this stuff, right? Cause it was, but to, to put the two of those together and be able to in real time say, Hey, I want to, you know, I need to control this drone and I want it to follow this route as I'm biking at the speed I'm biking or whatever running. I mean, any of those kinds of things could, the drone could replace you from having to, <laughs> to be us. You still be doing the work. Right. You just wouldn't have to be out in the elements. Well, that would be awesome. I mean, we use drones it. as well. I mean, we use them to go just fly around a facility and check on something. Same type of use as one of those all-terrain robots. Fly something out, check on it. But the yeah. thing, the downfall to all this technology that we haven't mentioned is battery life. Yeah. The little robots, they know where their home base is. And when they start to run low, they go back to their base yeah. and charge up. Yeah. The drones have to charge up for a certain period of time. They only last for like 20 minutes. I mean, they are not long-lasting things. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I need a, maybe I need a robot bike to be the. Oh, so instead of me, let's be real. We're not biking for more than twenty <laughs> minutes anyway. So. You're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, it would. You know, it's it like would Bob be, mentioned yeah. Tesla earlier. It's like, let's be real. I mean, Teslas. You got to charge them every so often. You drive for three hundred miles or whatever it is. Yeah. The bike, yeah. we'd ride for 20 minutes, stop, and let the drone charge up. Well, and I wonder how long before we have enough collective information about certain areas. Think about, you know, Google Maps and them sending out cars. And, yeah, they're only taking pictures. But I imagine at some point we got to get to a spot where AR or AI would be able to stitch all that together in a way that would be more realistic from a movement standpoint. So you could actually, with a set of VR goggles, move through that 
area and it would feel pretty real. Yeah, it would feel yeah. And and different than a 3D created model where somebody's making it up, right? This is actually based on real, you know, we were constantly scanning. You know, you think of like the Grand Canyon, right? And you could scan that. Doesn't change a lot. Right. So you could do a complete scan of the Grand Canyon and then in theory, you could go, you could take walks through those areas that would feel more real. <laughs> yeah. Feel more realistic than um, just pictures, you know, just, you know, you do the Google maps and it shifts picture, picture, which is still amazing. Well, like I, I use that all the time oh, yeah, to yeah. start looking at places I, I want to go, yeah. just check it out and that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, Good stuff. Imagine where we'll be 10 years from now. What do you, as you, as you look ahead for what you're doing, is there something that we're not doing yet, but that you can really see on the horizon that's coming? That's, that's kind of exciting. I I don't know how, you know, I'm, I'm not the guy that can reject these things. Yeah. I I know some of the things like we talked about the robots, they keep advancing throughout the years. One of the things that I thought was very impressive is, we have camera systems set up at the the front of the buildings where people drive onto the property. Every single license plate gets registered. So it gets registered at that point. The robots, if you have it tied up, they know where their car is going to be going. So things like that, that watch every little thing you do. Yeah. But no, I mean, I just think these robots get more impressive every year. So I'm expecting them to just do more work as the years go by. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of technology that it's not quite as exciting, but it does really cool things that you know we haven't talked about. Yeah, so it's just technology is like you know it's ever growing and expanding, and it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, now some cool stuff ahead, Jay. Thanks for coming back. I think I have you. I think I have you back with your co-host here in a couple weeks, uh, spending some time uh, uh, doing doing some more chat. In the meantime. I think uh, next week Edward Winnegar joins us, and Edward's we're going to talk uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. He's kind of our been a long time since I've had Edward on the show. We're going to bring him back. I think he's going to harass me. So if you want to hear him, just kind of dig in on some of my crypto decisions. Uh, come back next week, next Thursday. You want to do that, and then uh, Christian is back the week after that. And Jay, you're here, and Marv V joins us. Dave from Mac Geek Gab will be the week after that, and we're getting dangerously close to Thanksgiving here in the United States. So, Jay, can you hang on for just a second? Absolutely. Love to. All right. Hang tight for one second. A couple of reminders on the way out. One, big thanks to our Patreon uh, subscribers. Thanks for your for your Patreon support. If you're finding value in this podcast and you want to give back, it's just a great way to do it. Bob Carpenter did that just a couple of weeks ago, and we appreciate you doing that too. Join us, uh, theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. No pressure, but, you know, I appreciate that. We I spent some time doing this, and and uh, it's not necessarily all free. So thanks for the value that you see in the podcast. Join us. I mentioned our Discord group, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. If you want to leave me a message, homegadgetgeeks.com to answer on the show. Do me a favor. If you do leave a message, send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv, and let me know you left a message. I don't always get those emails, and uh, and appreciate you getting that done. Of course, theaverageguy.tv platform. Powered by Maple Grove Partners and Christian is just added. In fact, he upgraded, just recently upgraded my WordPress instance uh, to the latest and greatest of stuff. And uh, and we had a little hitch. I pinged him. It was fixed within a couple hours and uh, all was good. So if you're looking for high 
high-speed, reliable hosting from people that you know and you trust. You know that's Christian. Visit Maple Grove Partners, all one word, maplegrovepartners.com. And plans are still starting at 10 bucks. And uh, so if you need a site, he can get it set up for you. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. And, Jay, you guys are live on Wednesdays. Is that right when you're doing? Uh, yes, sir. Wednesdays, 7 p.m. West and 10 p.m. East. Ranzi and friends. Say the time again on those Wednesdays when? Um, 10 p.m. Eastern. Okay. 10 p.m. 9. All the information over at franzianfriends.com. All right. Super, super good. We'll be back next Thursday, 8 p.m. Uh, love to have 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, if you'd love to jo- uh, join us then. We'd appreciate it. Uh, for those of you, uh, Bob and Joe, um, uh, Katie J, always good to see you uh, coming out. Uh, Dan was out there a little bit. Uh, uh, Ken was out there a little bit earlier. Brian, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next Thursday. With that, we'll say goodbye.